Father God, <laughs> thank you for Christmas and the holiday time and the family time and the remembering you, your incarnation and Jesus, thank you for that. And, and we want to we set our sail, adjust our posture to hear you, to be in a place where you can pour yourself through us and onto us. Father God, help us to hear what you're saying. Amen. Amen. And, and I have a few kind of contextual things to say. Uh, I hope it helps you. It helps me. Uh, first thing I want to do is to, I want to honor Bill Johnson. And some of you know he is the, is the leader of Bethel Church in Redding, California, where we've been many times. And the first time Nick and I went in uh, September of 2009. Uh, but, I, but I have to say this, I, I, I've met Bill. Uh, I've spoken to him, but mostly about wine, whiskey, and uh, so I don't have a strong personal relationship. I've met him probably twice, and he'd probably know I am. That's about the limit of it. Uh, and he has an influence over many, many hundreds of churches and leaders, so I would not expect to, to have a personal relationship with him. But, but I, I just, I, I feel fathered by Bill Johnson, and I'll I tell you why. There was a season a few years ago, I was driving down to some New Frontiers leadership things that I was involved with. And, and I was, we were just sort of learning stuff and I was getting the podcasts from Bethel and I was listening to Bill. And probably 50% of the journey of a four-hour drive, I was spent weeping at the car wheel as I listened. And this happened probably every, every quarter I would do this. And, and I was so moved by what I was learning and what I was hearing and by the heart of God Actually, that was the highlight of the whole trip, was the drive there, um, <laughs> to be perfectly frank. And, 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 and just meeting with God, and, and honestly, just, just, just every time I would end up in tears, but not in a like grief-stricken way, but in a sense of encountering the Father heart of God and the goodness of God and, and hope coming inside of me for the miraculous and the goodness of God in the land of the living, not in the sweet by and by. And, and recently, and there's some messages of Bill's that Teresa and I have listened to over and over again, and it's like you can get fathered through the, by the person through the message. And, and it says in Acts 2 that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking the bread and prayer. So actually, you can, you can be fathered by, by people that way, and, I, and that, he's definitely fathered us. And recently, just want to honor him, some of what I'm talking to you about this morning really has come out of learning from Bill by getting some of his messages and playing them over and over and just some of the things he says. You know those things? Have you, any, any of you listened to Bill Johnson? You know, you can get a sentence from Bill and you're like, flip me. <laughs> but it's worth just pausing and getting all the juices out of, you know, and thinking, and, and this, this is some of that. So I want to really honor Bill in that. And, uh, and just also just to demonstrate how God fathers us. There's many ways, and some, sometimes we just think it has to be up close and personal, but that's not the only way that that can happen. Um, the other context for, for you, many of you are aware of, is um, all of our, we, Teresa and I had four parents, you know, two each, it's kind of standard, standard issue. Um, and uh, we, uh, but they all died in the last four years. Uh, so we've gone through, it's felt like we've barely come out of dealing with the grief, and not just the grief, but the issues in some cases of, of the death of one and another has gone. And that's just been on repeat for f the last four years. And my dad was the last to go, so you know he died uh, in March now of last year. Um, and what we are realizing is it's just been a pretty intense season of grieving. And, and that can look like many things, but we've had many things to deal with, not, and not, not only that, but then also church life and the stuff that comes up. And in church life, we've had some great victories and also some really sad losses and people that we've prayed for that are no longer with us. So that's, that's hard. Loss is hard, is it not? Some of you, have, some of you know, some of the people you, we've talked about over the last couple of years, and some of you have prayed, some of you have laid hands on, some of you just served and loved and loved, and then, oh, 
the victory wasn't won in that sense and they're, they're not here. They're in a better place, but whew, it's exhausting. But amazing the way this, the church loves people and serves them and blesses them and stands and stands and stands. It's been incredible to be part of that, incredible to see that heart in this, in this family. But that's a loss. And, and grief is the product of loss, and loss can be massive in the sense of parents dying, but it can also be other loved ones, things you're close to, people you're close to who leave and aren't part of family anymore. You can, and grief is important. It's not something you should sit on, put away, because in time it will bite you in the bum. Um, it, it, it needs to be processed. It needs to be engaged with. It needs to find its way through until the time it's done. So that, that's a bit of our last four years. It's just felt like, and it's something, it just feels different, you know, that we have no more parents to die. That's kind of, we actually looked at one another on holiday, we're like, woohoo. <laughs> we're coming into 2020 and we can't have anybody else go because they're all gone. <laughs> it feels like you could come up for air and not go, oh my goodness, something else is going to happen. It's like, oh. And often that, with, with aging parents, is accompanied by serious seasons of sickness and you know, just, just things you'd never want to see your parents go through. You walk through with them, and it, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Some of you are in it right now. Um, we, we've done our season. And something in our life, it seems like God does things like together. We had four kids in five years lost all full parents in four years. It's like these intense seasons of things that we go through them. And, and so that, that's a bit of personal, a personal context. And I want to talk to you this morning, basically this, that he takes ashes and he turns it into dancing. And if you turn with me in your Bibles and uh, I'm praying that someone would invent a Bible app that sounds like pages turning. I miss, I just miss, as a preacher, when you say, would you turn to, and everybody goes to a screen, wouldn't it be cool if the app went, you know, like pages, could someone, if anybody got any pages, just of any description, could you flick your pages, just, let's just hear it, great, we're turning to Isaiah 61 and verse 1. Uh, you, could, you, could, you could mimic the sound for me if you want and make me feel happy. Um, the goal is this morning that, that, that we come back to, to worship uh, and we're going to pray for one another. But that, that's, that's the plan. Um, here we go. In Isaiah 61. Hmm. However you got there, are you there? Just give me a nod or a sound. or a, Oh, that's just cheating, isn't it? Maybe we should put it on the PA. Like. <laughs> All right, I'm re- going to read it from the ESV, but I'm not going to keep turning around. So verse 1 through to, we will stop at the end of verse 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Just a rabbit trail, I won't go very far down. Isn't it interesting that the New Testament authors don't quote that bit of the verse? Um, They were all waiting for the guy who was going to come, who was going to lead them in the vengeance of God, and when Jesus quotes it, he doesn't quote that verse. (laughs) They were really annoyed about that. Um, More about that another time. To comfort all who mourn, to grant, verse 3, those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress or beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, (laughs) the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or a spirit of heaviness, depends what translation you read, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And I really just want to break in to, I'm reading that for context, but, but verse 3, God is about giving beauty 
instead of ashes is about giving gladness instead of mourning, is about giving praise instead of a faint spirit. And out of that comes this solid evidence people standing in righteousness and it's these kind of people that are going to change cities. These kind of people that change cities. Not the people who have never been broken. Not the people who have never mourned. Not the people who have never had a loss. Not the people who have never been confused. Not the people who have never been disappointed. But the people who have been all those things but have seen God turn it around. These are the people that change the world. And I believe that's, that's something he wants to share with us uh, this morning, as we, just as we break in on that. God's ability to produce beauty out of chaos, defeat, disappointment, and loss is absolutely limitless. I'm going to say that again for this side of the room. God's ability to produce beauty out of chaos, out of defeat and disappointment and loss is limitless. God's ability. Often if you're in this kind of place, you don't feel like you have much ability. It's good to know he makes beauty from ashes. He has so much goodness, he can make bad into good for you. Romans 8.28 is a great verse, isn't it? We, 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 should, we probably should use it more. God, somebody should quote it for us. What does it say? Somebody know. God, you can look it up and cheat and Google it. God makes all things. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, Gideon, you've, you've teased us. Let's have it back. We know. That for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, actually, we wouldn't need that verse if everything we hoped for and prayed for happened the way we hoped it would. It'd kind of be almost a redundant verse if everything we dreamed of happened just how we dreamed it. Every prophecy we had worked out just the way we thought it would. Every prayer we prayed got answered the way it would. We'd kind of like, well, of course. But, but I don't live a life like that. I don't know about you. Every prayer I pray has not been answered the way I hoped it would. Every, every prophecy I've received has not been fulfilled the way I thought it would. In fact, I still have quite a collection of ones yet to be fulfilled. And I've been waiting a long time for some of them. But I'm clinging on to this, that the God who is so good can turn even bad into good because I love him and he has a purpose for my life. It, it can never be so full of ashes that he can't make beauty out of it. It can never be so confused or broken or down that he can't make it good. And if it isn't good, yet he's not done. If he's not good yet, it's just because he's not finished. Um, And these things we're reading in this scripture, God's they're not just superficial things. They're not just external things. Because we read this phrase of, of him removing the fainting or heavy spirit. Is an internal reality change. He is the restorer of hearts that grieve and are faint. Because you know that feeling where you know you should, but you just don't have any juice to do. That's called a fainting spirit. Well, you know that what's supposed to happen in a day and you know what you're supposed to be and who you are and all the rest of it, but it just isn't working because it feels like it's just too much effort. That's called the spirit of heaviness. So we're not talking about something superficial, light and fluffy, rah, rah, rah. We're talking about a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's a radical transformation. Um, just to, again, context, but it's actually 10 years that we set our sail, set our direction as a community on the brave voyage of discovery, and we were excited 
about pursuing the presence of God and the miraculous demonstration of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. We were excited and we had no clue what we were doing. We still have very little clue and we had no idea what it would cost us to make that decision. But we did. And a lot of us, I remember uh, Donna De Silva preaching in the school one day. Some of you were there and she said, are you all in for this? And we were like, yeah, of course we're all in. <laughs> um, <laughs> we may have thought a bit longer if we knew what it was going to be like. <laughs> but, but we started to take seriously what Jesus told us to do. Matthew 10 verse 8. Well, starting at verse 7, he said, To proclaim this as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He commanded us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons. We receive without paying, give without pay. We decided we would take this seriously and that we would proclaim a kingdom that had power, a God who was supernatural, and that he could remove Sickness, death, demons, obstacles, bondage, and death, and debt, supernaturally. That he could do all these things that we couldn't do, and that actually that was key part of the gospel. And if we left that out, we weren't living like Jesus, and we weren't obeying the commands he'd given us to obey. I remember that, for me, I'd done this before, and been through the disappointing experience of praying for a whole bunch of different people, including a 13-year-old who died of cancer and feeling that my prayers had been like a pea shooter against an armored car. It was such a disappointing experience that I never wanted to do it again because after you shot all your prayers, the thing felt like the thing ran you over. So I'd kind of dodged this commission for about 10 years before Nick and I went out to Bethel and something happened in Bethel and I got my hope back. And I can remember the first Sunday coming back like, we're going to pray for the sick. And everybody's looking at me like, okay, great, good, 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 good. And so we had the first appeal for healing. Nobody came out because there was no faith in the environment for healing. So why, why, you know, Andy's all fired up and Nick's fired up because they've come back from this Bethel place. But if not, we don't expect anything to happen. So why get any prayer? So I had the appeal. So my first disappointment is no one responded to the appeal. And then, uh, uh, so I'm sure I tried to do some face-saving maneuver. I can't remember what I said, but you do feel, you, know, you just stand here once or twice, and you do feel a bit of an idiot when you do something like that. And, and so uh, John Sharp, the Sharps were around, and they're now in Belgium, came up to me a bit after, and we've gone for coffee, and he said, there's somebody in the coffee queue who'll let you pray for them. I was like, yes, get in. So I went to the coffee queue, and there was somebody standing there who'd got a back problem. I prayed for them, and they got immediately healed. Suddenly, people both sides of the person said, Oh, I've got a problem too. Can you pray for me? So faith came in the coffee queue. And, and really, that was us up and running. I mean, we literally, when we started HSSL, we used that, and people who are visitors don't. At Hope School of Supernatural Life now, coming up, it's over seven years ago, We'd already seen over 300 healings when we started the school. I, I was counting at that, but I've lost count since. We'd seen healing after healing, and we're still seeing healings. We just kind of get used to it. Uh, but that, that was, wasn't that exciting? Those of you around, that was like, it was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. We had all sorts of bizarre things, like having words of knowledge for dyslexia, but the, what happens is the person's leg grows. And... These, these things are still happening. We just kind of get a bit more used to it. We had our first encounter with angels. I've just been spoken to by someone this morning who's seen the angels who are here ready for our ministry time already. It just becomes kind of normal. There's, there's four angels here ready for our ministry time, just so you know. That's awesome. I, I don't see them, but I'm glad people do, and they tell me so we can get in with what God's doing. Amen. So all this stuff is kicking off, and this has been a 10-year mission impossible. Well, mission to do the impossible. impossible. Um, <laughs> keep going, Andy. We kind of agreed with 
the sentiment, really, the heart that we owed our generation and experience a display of the goodness of God, that we owe them a sample of the real Jesus, not just the preacher, the philosopher, the, but the miracle worker, the raiser of the dead, the, the healer of the sick. More than, more than 50% of the Gospels are full of Jesus' healing and miracle ministry. But not more than 50% of the church is full of... And sometimes we get accused of, well, you're all about healing, but well, Jesus, at least 50% of his time was healing people. Um, yeah, until we get there, we shouldn't change the subject too much, do you not think? We, we've got a lot to go after here. Um, so we pursued his presence and his activity of his presence, and it marked us. We embarked on a journey to give people something out of the ordinary because really no one's impressed with religious routine, even the people that are in it. Now, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, by this I'm not saying that I'm against tradition or discipline or process. What I'm saying is anything without the life of God in it is ultimately not what we're here to do. We're not here to sit and listen to sermons. We want to have our lives changed. We're not here just to sing worship songs. We want to encounter the one we are singing to. This is meant to be an experiential thing. And to reduce it and make it less is to make it just empty religion and no one will, we are not impressed by it and no one out there will be. We owe them an encounter. We owe them a miracle. <laughs> thank God for all the victories. Thank God for all the breakthroughs. Thank God for all the visions. Thank God for all the prophecies. Thank God for the level that we have that's become normalized. And yet it creates this incredible tension, even pain and Actually, if you've not felt some pain in this process, maybe you need to see a doctor. Um, <laughs> because this isn't simple. This isn't easy. This is hard. I think it was Simon was preaching a few weeks ago, and he said, we, we've chosen a difficult gig, and, and it is. Just think, we've been commissioned. We're, 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 we're flesh and blood, aren't we? we anybody in this room able to do the impossible anybody here able to heal anybody and yet God says go heal the sick go raise the dead I mean there are many times when we just look stupid is, is that there's many times when it's flipping disappointing because we know we're obeying what he told us to do but nothing's happening well, that, that's my experience. Anybody here just kind of... Um, and as a community, we've not... <laughs> yeah, I think I've said some of this. We've not been spared tragedy or loss, as well as all the great victories. And sometimes it feels, it can feel like the losses are more than the breakthroughs. You can just get a bit overwhelmed with the challenges. Well, I thought we were a miracle place. Well, yes, there's one over there, but there's three that aren't happening over there. Well, what, what do you look at? <laughs> so this is tension. We know he's good. We know he does miracles, and he's commanded us to do the same. And we end up, how do we deal with this? We feel at times stuck in a painful conundrum. Um, and yet I keep having to come back to he told us to do it I don't understand it I can't make it I can't force it I can't engineer it but he told me to do it it boils down somewhere to just doing what he says and leaving the outcomes to him and, and I know in the atmosphere where things impossible things start to happen it, it we start to dream big bigger things and then some of them don't work out either I mean one of the reasons pastors don't lead people into this stuff is because they're scared of the effect of disappointment on the congregation 
How do you deal with the what doesn't happen? Let's keep it in the realm of what we can control and we can understand and we can do. Yeah? We can do evangelism. We can't do it this way, but we can do evangelism. We can do pastoring and caring. We can take people meals. We can, we can love on people. We can do excellent things. All of those things we can organize, but you know what? Let's not do, go too far into this because there lies lots of challenges. But if nobody walks this way, when will the church ever look like Jesus to the world? If no one ever breaks through this glass ceiling that the church has put on itself of lack of expectation of miracle and healing and breakthrough, if no one takes the risk of having a go at this, who is ever going to look like Jesus to the world? We made a decision we were going to go for this. And it's hard. And along the way, some people, I think, have said, this is too difficult. But somewhere, somehow... In our nation, there's going to be churches and people that make a breakthrough, that start to look more like Jesus, where people experience a miracle. They come for a miracle. Where the goodness of God is seen and felt and heard, not just talked about. So... What am I trying to say? Well, you can end up going on this journey and end up with some of these. These are my struggles, my questions, my processes. They may be yours. I'm hoping to help us all this morning. I hope I do a good job. I may not, but I'm going to have a go. Is that okay? So, number one, can I, and maybe you, get to a place of not minding looking foolish? if my appearing foolish is happening because I'm pursuing obedience to the Lord? Can I actually get to a place where I don't mind looking like an idiot because nothing happens, although I've stretched out because I'm obeying the Lord? And I don't mean uh, not minding that's that kind of I don't care what people think. That's... That's hardness of heart. That's not what I'm talking about. Because I'm learning the only way you can keep making progress in this is by staying tender to the Lord, not by being, not by bravado. So we're not looking to raise up a people who, you know, stuff just bounces off them. We don't care what you think. Be healed in Jesus' name. I don't think that's how this works. I don't think it's how Jesus worked. Even though he knew, Teresa keeps telling me this, this is her revelation, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still wept when he got there at the tomb. Jesus was not like, hey, I'm coming town now, I'm going to fix all your problems, it doesn't touch me. No, he was was moved. But something in me needs to get to the place where if I'm obeying God and I look an idiot, it's got to be okay. How are you doing with that? I'm, I'm, I'm a work in process. Number two, uh, can I keep functioning without really knowing how it works? And without really knowing what I'm doing. And I'm looking out here and I'm not getting a lot of help because you don't know either. I was raised. I'm, I'm, I've been to university. I have a degree in letters after my name and I haven't got a clue how this works. And that frustrates the westernized, trained brain out of me. But he's not going to give me all the levers. He's just expecting me to do what he says. Moving in the supernatural is profoundly uncomfortable for people trained in western philosophy, which we all are. And it's also profoundly uncomfortable to the flesh because the Bible says that the spirit is opposed to the flesh and we'll talk about that in a minute. But am I able to keep going, living in this mystery tension? That's a question I have to answer on a fairly regular basis. I don't know about you. 
Uh, three, can I cope with losses and setbacks and still keep obeying when it feels like sometimes the setbacks are more than the breakthroughs? This is, this is a biggie. Number four, well, my, my biggie, maybe not yours. Can I love God and deepen my intimacy with him even when he doesn't seem to be coming through for me in the ways I hoped for and expected? Will I draw near to the one who appears to be causing my disappointment and not coming through for me in the way that I expected? Or do me and God slowly generate this slightly distanced? So I've come up with some solutions. I'm not saying these are all solutions we should do, but these are ones I have considered. Is, it, is this okay? How, how we do? Does this make sense to anybody else in the room? Or is it just about me? I mean, I'm okay if it's just about me, but I'm just, I'm just looking for some comfort and reassurance in, in your faces here. So we're all together. We don't really know how this works, and it does cause us some pain, yeah? We, we upset when our friends die. We upset, you know, we pray and someone doesn't get healed. You know, we think, oh, what the heck? So here's some ways to deal with it, not all of which I recommend. In fact, all of these probably I don't recommend, but here are options. Number one, change course. Seek a more balanced teaching. That means an adjustment to the beliefs that I've just expressed by saying that maybe some die because it's God's will and some get sick. That's the only way you can adjust the teaching. It boils down to it's God's will to make some people sick and die. You can dress it up in sovereignty language. You can dress it up in Calvinism, reform language, but the, the bottom line, I've lived on both sides of this, so I can see through the fog. The bottom line is you either believe God heals and he's a source of healing and it's always his will, or you believe that sometimes it isn't. And if you change to that position, it can give you some relief because you're like, oh, we didn't have victory because God wanted them dead. So we're off, we're off the hook. I mean, it's still hard to lose, but, you know, it was God's will, so that's kind of a... Does that make sense to anybody here? It can be psychologically comforting to know that that's the place. So you can adjust your belief system and believe that that is a biblically more balanced viewpoint. Some people believe that. I personally used to believe it. I can't believe it anymore. For 25 years of messages reasons, which I'm not going to give you right now, but you, you can make your, your own choice. Um, I wouldn't recommend that because you end up with not a good father is where you end up. And we end up with not giving the world the hope of miracle, breakthrough, healing, and goodness that we're called to do as a community. You end up watering down the impact of the gospel. And to be honest, the world is sick of religion. Uh, but they're hungry for what we have. We were on holiday over Christmas. We went to Switzerland for Christmas. And uh, we had the most amazing time in the sense of here's a bunch of people our age, some a bit younger, some a bit older. And we talked to them, well, what do you do? We spent several hours sharing with people. We prayed for two sick people who saw an improvement. This is, on, this is our holidays <laughs> with Jesus. But people are hungry for the stuff. I mean, they're full of questions but they want to talk to you. And this is people who've been in the world a long time. Religion, they're not impressed with. Judgment, guilt, they want nothing to do with. Um, so that's number one. Number two, believe. This it, 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 is to do with belief. Believe, well, it's not working for me. So I'll do the stuff I can do. This must be someone else's ministry. There are problems with that, but a lot of people adopt that. So, but you end up, you, don't, you, don't, you stop praying for the sick, you stop prophesying, you stop 
thinking that you can impart the presence of God to other people. You stop expecting miraculous solutions in your workplace. You stop expecting God's miraculous provision in your household. You just dumb it all down to stuff you can understand and deal with. And you read your Bible, you come to church, and you try and be a good person. All, all that's good. All that's good. Develop your character. But this miraculous stuff is not for me, not my gift, not my calling. The trouble is Jesus commissioned us all to do it, not just a few. You have to deal with that somehow. Number three is get depressed. This is, this is my personal favorite. <laughs> Number three is to get depressed. <laughs> I mean, not favorite because I like it, but favorite in terms of options that I tend to go towards. Do you see what I mean? Like, if I'm going to go anywhere, it's, I'm just going to go, well, I believe it all, but it's just don't have faith for it because it's not happening so it's my problem, I'm a failure, it's my lack of faith. That is really depressing and not good news. I would, I would advise against all of these options, but that one, that sort of self-introspective stuff is, is, doesn't get you anywhere. And believe you me, I have given that a good try. For years I've tried that, oh God, I just don't have the faith for it, oh God, oh God, it's me, oh, it's me, it's me, oh dear, you know, I should just, just leave me alone, give me something easier to do, give me an easier job, you know, I don't really have the faith for this, look, you chose the wrong guy, you know, none of that has washed on him for years. He's not persuaded, he's not impressed, he's just like, do you believe what I believe about you? That's what he says to me over and over and over and over again in different words at different times. Do you believe what I believe about you? But you can choose that option again. Depression is, is an option. Depression is an option. Change of course is an option. Believing it's not for you is an option. Um, but what if? What if all this struggle and all this stuff is actually the birth pangs you need for your next level. What if, what I feel is like, this, you know, you come to New Year's Eve and you come to New Year's parties and you think, oh, it's just another year. I've had quite a lot of them now and you think, yeah, it's another year. Do you know that feeling? Yeah, great, New Year, whoop. Have a party, good reason. It's, you know, change the date you write on checks back in the day when we did have checks. <laughs> you don't have to bother now, do you, all the tech? What else is important? dates, you know, change your diary, all that kind of stuff. It's a new year, yay. But this feels like a new year. Not just like a new year and a new decade, it feels like a new, a new season, like a God new year. Like God saying, yes, it's been tough, but here's a moment for you, Hope Church. Get a hold of this. Don't choose option one, two, or three. Three, choose this other option because it's better because you're actually on the edge of breaking into something rather than stepping back from something. Could it be that testing and trials are the way that faith is per perfected? Ooh, that might be in the Bible somewhere. Did anybody notice that? Could it be that disappointment and setbacks and things not working out is actually something God could use to make us more awesome? Oh, some of you are not sure about that. I'm going to read you James 1, 2 to 4 in the Passion Translation, and then you can argue with God and not me. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, <laughs> stop and laugh at that for a minute, yeah. Anybody had a year, like, anybody had a 2019 that felt like that? Come on. 20, 2019 is like, it was just full of crap. It was just difficulty after difficulty. Some of you are owning up, some of you aren't, but you know what I'm talking about. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. This is what God says. This is his idea about all this stuff. See, it's an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. I told you it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any kind of sense. 
So all of you put your hands up. You're in. The greatest opportunity you're going to have to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested like it's been tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Wow. He's not abandoned you, he's in you. And then, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection to every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I believe there's profound brokenness and testing that comes for anyone who pursues the truly supernatural lifestyle of Jesus to make it their own and their normal. It hurts, and if it isn't hurting, perhaps you have another problem. Not that our Father is inflicting pain upon us, but He is helping us escape a mindset. He's stripping away our reliance on the flesh, which He has crucified, but we so love to lean into and teaching us to lean into Him. It's a bit like, it's a bit like the chrysalis, and the butterfly has to emerge. And if you, if you, if you help the butterfly out, it will never fly because the process of pushing out of that chrysalis is the very thing that causes the wings to work. People watched giraffes being born in Africa. And you know, giraffes are really tall. And when they give birth, the, giraffe, the little baby giraffe just drops out, out of the mum to the ground. Like, and it's a long way down. So like, oh, this is so unsafe and so terrible. But they found if they caught the giraffe, the giraffe didn't walk so easily. This is what we're in, guys. Don't catch the giraffe. <laughs> Probably get a pain in the head, but then you don't walk, all right? Don't, don't hope that the pain will end. No, burst out of it because you become beauty for ashes, beauty for ashes. Processing. The point is that beauty is coming for your ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's coming. It's there. So here's my, here's my top tips to sort of land this message. Top tips on how to process well as opposed to processing not so well. All right, so you'll know the ones that I'm promoting because I'll be smiling about those. Are you ready? Process well the pain and the conundrum and the disappointment. Doing it well means that it draws you near to Him. This is a place where humility grows, where tenderness before the Lord grows, where dependency on Him grows, where intimacy grows. Let it drive you to a place of dependency, asking Him, sharing your heart with Him, exposing your heart to Him and how you're really feeling. Humility, I can't do this, I need you. It's a good prayer to pray. That's a good, that's a good process for disappointment. Process badly is you become hardened, disenchanted or even bitter. Your passions for God get cooler. You dial down your obedience so grieving is healthy, but allowing it to become sickness of heart is bad for you and all your friends. The Bible says that, that bitterness is a disease that other people can catch. We, are, we have the job of guarding our hearts because from it flow the wellsprings of life. So don't process badly. Health warning. Let these things draw you closer to a kind, loving Father who wants, who wants you to be humble and tender before him and in that place all kinds of yummy great things can happen process well cling to the simple truth that he is good process badly blame God or even try to find people to blame <clears throat> someone must be responsible for this failure process well 
We use these pressures and these tests to refine our passion for him, for his own sake, not for what he will do for us. I would have, if all my marriage consisted of was loving Teresa or relating Teresa or her to me on the basis of tasks only, It wouldn't go well, would it? We like time together for time together. And, and, and he's the same. He doesn't want you to want him because of what he can do for you and then sack him off because he's not doing what you want him to do. The most precious times are those worship times where it's all going wrong but you just love, him, love on him anyway. He owes me nothing. He's already freely given me and you more than we ever deserve. I am a son, but I'm also a servant. I'm his servant to do his bidding. I want to do his will. I'm not here to control him. He's here to lead me. And I love his face. I love his presence. It's just so beautiful. Process poorly, my worship becomes external only. I start to lose that full-blooded cry of the heart in worship. And it becomes, you know, the, you know the hands in the pocket worship? I, I've done that. I just love it when it's full-blooded, when it's like, it's like the cry in Braveheart, but it's to Jesus. Because it's coming from your guts. I love you, Lord. Yeah. I love you like with my fibers, <laughs> not with my pockets. <laughs> and when we process well, he turns our ashes into beauty. He works all things together for good. He moves us from one degree of glory to another. Great beauty and glory can come out of our imperfections, out of our brokenness, out of our failures, and out of our disappointments, because he's bigger and better than it all. We worship a God who's good all of the time. Cling to his goodness. It's not going well, he's good. Still not going well, he's still good. Has he finished yet? If it's not good, he's not finished. If we process well, we don't change our options. We just come before him and say, Lord, I'm yours. If you said it, I'm going to do it. I don't have to understand it. I'm not bringing my preconditions. I'm submitting to you. It's a good place to be. I'm willing to walk in the mystery. I'm willing to walk in the pain. I'm willing to walk in that place where it doesn't always work, where it feels like my prayers are pea shooters, but I'm still going to pray them because one day I'm going to blow that darn tank up. With you, Lord, not me. It won't be my, won't be my power, it'll be yours, but I'll learn to walk with you in that situation in such intimacy that that thing is going down. I'm not stopping. I've given up my options. How about you? <laughs> I've tried both sides. I prefer this better. It's more painful, but I like seeing people get well. I like the God who's always good and who loves me and does miracles. And I know we have a room full of people and every one of you probably has got some issue or challenge, maybe a chronic illness, but you know what? My God can heal it. I know I've prayed for you before, but I don't care. I'll do it again because he can heal you because he's that good and he's not dependent on how many times I pray but at some point it's going down verse 4 the people whose beauty has been turned to ashes whose disappointment has been turned to praise whose heaviness has been turned to joy are the people that change cities it's not the perfect it's not the people who get it right all the time it's not the people who know how to do it it's not 
it's not the experts, it's us. If we'll process with the Lord really well, he'll use you to change a city. As he changes your beauty and turns it, changes your ashes and turns it to beauty, you become a world changer. That's exciting. So I believe we just stand on that place of opportunity, that place of a new season, that place of all the things that have been tough actually being turned by God into glory, turned by God into beauty, turned by God into opportunity, turned by God into joy, turned by God into miracles. Tests and trials comes, okay. I don't want to go through tests and trial and be the same. That's dull. In fact, it's more than dull, it's dumb. I, I've learned... I've learned that if you do that, you just get them all over again until you get the thing that you was trying to say. So I'm volunteering fast to not do that. So I'd like us to respond. I'd like to get the band back. I know we're kind of running out of time, but maybe... Oh, Jesus, how are we going to do this? This isn't a message you should walk out the door and say, nice, nice sermon, Vicar. You either hated it or you're going to do something about it. Uh, I want to I have helped you because I want us to do something about it together. Um, I'd like you to join me in the choices that I'm, I'm offering as the best choices that we should make. And if you'd like to, to join us in that, no matter where you're at, it could be like full on or just kind of tentative, we'd love to pray with you. Because I believe it's a morning, a morning where ashes are going to be turned to beauty for all of you.